Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 292. I'm joined alongside by, virtually of course, my awesome co-host, Amanda Powell. Amanda, how are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Chasing a million dollar real estate deals, uh, looking for a new home. Everything kind of going up and crazy in the Austin area, as far as first time home buyers is concerned. I'm telling you, I wish I was chasing million dollar deals. <laughs> It'll soon be there. That's what they're what going for. Like. Yeah. Well, it's weird because I live in the Massachusetts area and everybody is exiting to the suburbs, which is where I live usually. But we went and we are now renting in Boston, downtown Boston. And rents, you'd think everyone's leaving to go to the suburbs. Well, rents haven't come down. If anything, they've gone up. There's so much for that value play. Anyway, here we are. But we are excited to have an awesome guest on here, somebody that you probably are pretty familiar with. You're at least familiar with his, maybe his ads that are on Perpetual Traffic or over at Business Lunch, or you're already a customer of his, which you should be if you're not. We have Justin Christensen here today, who's best-selling author of a book, which he can certainly talk a little bit more about. But most importantly, he's a co-founder and president of ConversionFanatics. Dot com and wicked psyched to have him because I'm in Boston today. I'm going to say wicked psyched to to have him on perpetual traffic talking about the stuff. I know you're not doing well, perpetual traffic listener. Is all the stuff after the click? So psyched Call to have him you out. on. Call him out. Call him out today. Welcome to the show, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to be talking sort of high level after-the-click stuff and conversion fanatics things that only Justin really knows. Like, you think about all the years you've been doing this. You say you've been doing it for 20 years. You've probably seen a fair amount of problems businesses have between their website, conversion, things they're not doing, offers that aren't converting, is my guess. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit <laughs> over 20 years. <laughs> Between the info product world, the affiliate world, and now the onslaught of e-com, there isn't much that I haven't seen. And the good, the bad, bad, the ugly. Oh, and I've seen plenty of ugly for sure. Oh, there's a lot of ugly out there. <laughs> so we're going to try and distill that down into a nice, tidy podcast here with sort of higher level strategies, but also we're going to get into... Some examples of a business that I personally love being a bearded person, but not quite as bearded as these guys, Suspense and Mink over at Live Bearded. We're going to talk through their site, what you guys were able to do for them. And they're obviously just knocking it out of the park right now, thanks to your efforts. But yeah, let's let's get right into it. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do at Conversion Fanatics just to start off with and like what the perpetual traffic listener should know just in general about all the things that you guys do, all the after-click stuff relating to conversions and not just traffic only. 
Cool. So yeah, we are a full service CRO firm. Basically, we test stuff. <laughs> what it all really boils down to. But at the end of the day, we're an experience and revenue optimization company. So what happens when, like you said, when that visitor lands on that website, you have two sides of the coin, you've got the traffic piece and the conversion piece, and they feed each other. You can't have one without the other. And years ago, after doing it for myself and a few others, we decided to start a company that did it based on demand because everybody was talking about traffic and everybody knew they needed to test stuff, but they weren't actually doing it. We tried to teach it. Nobody wanted to learn it. They're just like, can you guys just do that for me? So then fast forward seven plus years now, conversion fanatics is what it is. But we really try to figure out what holds weight in the eyes of the audience. You know, what happens like what you or I think at the end of the day doesn't really matter. It's the people with their credit card ready to buy. So what do they like? What do they dislike? Where are they falling off? What on that page is holding weight? Do they care about social proof? Do they care about free shipping? Do they care about the imagery, the, the descriptions, the, the reviews of the product, the placement of the reviews? I mean, it can get as granular as the button label, but we really try to figure out what from that holds weight. And then what can we add, remove, change, rearrange, restructure on that journey to remove friction? So oftentimes people think that they just need to be as simple as possible and as clean as possible, and that's going to remove all the friction points. But sometimes, as we'll get to here in a little bit on the Live Bearded site, sometimes adding stuff can actually reduce friction and help alleviate some of those bottlenecks. So what that really comes down to is, again, is we just test stuff on the website and base it on data and build upon those results and try to lead those visitors down the path of least resistance of where you want them to go and the end result being the you know, the purchase. And Ralph and I are so excited to have you on because we've been talking about this the past few episodes, especially with what's going on with Facebook, iOS 14 update. As we dive right in and we've been talking about how it's not just the traffic, it is the conversion piece. And that's where we need to start being able to focus. When you're testing or when you're looking at a, a new client's site, where do you start? Like, where does someone start? What's the first thing that you look at? What's the first thing that you test? Where do you kind of like hone in on when you get a new client? So I really just try to put myself in the mind of the visitors. I'll look at basic analytics. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not overcomplicated. I don't like using fancy anything really. So I just go basic analytics, see what story that data is telling me. What's the demographic? Okay. We're female age 35 to 44, primarily mobile. They're coming from Facebook ads. And then I look at the drop-off points within that. It's like, oh, traffic's going to the product page first, or it's going to the homepage first, or driving it to collections. And then I see, okay, we have a big abandonment issue on the product page, for example. So I'll say, okay, we've got a problem on the product page. The added cart rate's terrible. Then I'll usually start there, figuring out what on that page. And then I'll just go through a user experience journey and just poke through it and see like what on this site is terrible, what's not, what could potentially be holding these people back or what questions aren't we answering on this specific page. But each business is really different. I mean, that's we what I was going to ask. Do you find that it's like usually something like it's usually always X, Y, or Z or it's different every time? I mean, we have our list of probably six to 10 tests that we pull from out of the gate because we want to try to start out and just figure out, like I said, what holds weight on that page, moving the reviews on the page, doing a sticky add to cart button that scrolls with mobile, just little user experience tweaks. 
moving products up on the homepage that aren't there or adding reviews to or testimonials to certain spots or adding a call to action that might not be there. So just obvious things that we sometimes get blinded to when you're in the trenches every day looking at that same exact website, which is what happens for brands. When you're a VP of marketing or you're a director of digital or something at some of these brands, you're in there every day looking at the things. So it's oftentimes uh, easy to overlook some of those. But usually we try to blanket the site initially. So find the homepage, the collections page, the product page, start testing from there, and then we build upon it. I guess one caveat to that is don't overthink it or don't overcomplicate where that they have to start there because you'll get companies that come to us and be like, what do you mean you're only going to test a headline? It's like, we just, we just hired you to test a headline. It's like, well, if I test enough headlines, I'm going to get you a 20 to 30% bump, almost guaranteed. But I want to use that to then distill down what do they actually care about? It's easy for me to figure out what they care about. I just throw a bunch of different benefits in a headline. Which one do they respond to the best? And then now I can exploit that and I figure out, oh, they like X, Y, and Z. Now I can use that throughout the rest of the site or out through the rest of the marketing. I use the example, we had a company that was selling insoles for shoes. They did a scientific NASA study on the product. The visitors at the end of the day did not give a damn about the <laughs> science of it. All they cared about was they could wear their shoes four times longer without pain. That was literally it. They spent all this money on science and imagery and videos and case studies and all of these things. Never what you think is going to work. <laughs> I just stripped all that back and said, your feet hurt, these fix it. Like it was, it was that, that simple. And I think people tend to overcomplicate it. They think they need mm -hmm. a new theme, a new template, a new website, a new landing page, a new something. And it's almost never the case <laughs> that they have that. And I launch, I don't know, I've probably tested 10,000 plus marketing experiments at this point. And it's never the big stuff that almost, that almost never wins. <laughs> it's never the stuff, I think, from a business owner's perspective, it's almost like you're blinded to your mm -hmm. own business at times. Mm -hmm. and like we even fall into this trap too. It's like we have a new person on staff who does do conversion analysis as part of his role. And we want a fresh look. Like I pretty much know this stuff pretty well, but I'm like, I want somebody else to look at it with a fresh set of eyes. And I think that's what you do just to begin with, like at a, at a base level, mm -hmm. like you see it very differently than the business owner does. Cause the business owner is like, well, I need a study on like NASA benefits of my <laughs> shoe lifts. Like, mm -hmm. and, and they could be going down that direction for years and years and not make any bit of difference on their conversion. <laughs> and you come in with a fresh perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the biggest thing when it comes to this is almost just looking at it that way in, in a naive way, but also seasoned with lots of experience having done this as many years as you've done it. Yeah. And I, I pull my, I check my ego at the door. I mean, <laughs> it's not, I don't care. And some people love it. Some people hate it, but mm -hmm. I come at it both barrels blazing and mm -hmm. said, here's where your website sucks. Like mm -hmm. this is the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm -hmm. And I'll review it before we ever do business together and just say, here's everything I'm seeing, whether we get to all this or not, or you hire us to fix it or not, this needs to be fixed. And they usually appreciate it and be like, oh my God, that I didn't even realize that. Or, hey, we've been talking about that internally and we just never did anything about it. 
So it's, it is tough to see the forest through the trees, if you will, to look at some of the little stumbling blocks. And there's a lot of them that just people just completely miss. And it doesn't, it can come down to all down to the button color and all of that little things like that. But most of the time, it's really just figuring out what they want. It's marketing 101. It's just figuring out what the audience wants and then give them that and then fill in the gaps of what they need along the way. And there's incentivized and all sorts of tricks and tactics and gimmicks and things you can do to push them along their journey. But marketing in 20 years really hasn't changed. You know, it's just the mediums have changed. <laughs> Human psychology never changes the best, as, as far as I know. Well, two guys that I think are pretty good at leaving their ego <laughs> at the door are Spence and Mink over at Live Bearded. And we're giving it them is. all kinds of free publicity on this show here. <laughs> so I expect lots of beard oil in my inbox or my PO <laughs> is box. Is that why we're doing this? This is what's it. happening. It's commercial. <laughs> yeah, it's commercial. This episode sponsored by... <laughs> Live bearded. So like, let's get into tactics. I mean, it's obviously yeah. it's a business both of us know and Amanda knows here. Um, like, what did you guys do? Like, maybe take a step by step through what is now a very well converting site. Like, people will go to that. And we'll leave the links in the show notes here, obviously, for you folks. But like, what? how did you what did you do? What was the process? What was that fresh set of eyes? And then where were the real sort of small levers that you were able to sort of press on here to, to increase conversions? Well, the biggest thing that we probably discovered is every experiment that we run for clients and companies is we want to learn something. We want to answer the question, why? Like, <laughs> why did we change that button color? Not that orange was better than green. Was it that it added contrast or, or what have you? Going down the path of figuring out what the visitors want. Well, obviously, it's a male market generally younger audience. And we wanted to really figure out what made them tick. And the biggest question that we really uncovered was, I don't know what to choose. You have so many great options. What do we choose? So it was really came down to uh, that and social proof. So those two things, to give you context, is what we exploited. It's just how could we make it easier for them to engage in that shopping experience, mm -hmm. to find the products that they're looking for, and then help them make a selection on that product. If you go to their site, you'll see some sub nav below the, the hero image on the homepage. That's here's the different category breakdown of the different products. And it's very intuitive and very descriptive and helps lead them and engage them. That was completely done and designed by us based on the experimentation that we had done leading up to that. And it's like, okay, we figured out that they really need help. And then we just help push them through to that next step throughout the, the step of it. And then highlighting and emphasizing how many great reviews and customers and testimonials and kind of community that they had around their products rather than that, hey, we just sell beard oil. Because they did, they built, they, they built an amazing brand and supportive community behind it. And this was even before that we came on and, and did some work. The stories that those guys have to tell about how the cool things that have happened with inside that that group is is pretty incredible but we just did that and then basically took the risk they've got a lifetime warranty on their products they guarantee it they stand behind it how can we lift that up and using things like icons because we know that that market isn't going to generally read <laughs> uh, you know it's i mean it's it's just the truth of it i mean you look at a men versus women market you you guys both laugh but you just insulted our entire look at look at your own personal shopping shopping behaviors totally i, mean, I sure as hell don't read a bunch of re i don't read a bunch of stuff about oh, the product be like does that look cool 
Okay, what's right. the price? Okay, <laughs> buy here. Whereas the female market generally will research, they'll compare, they'll, it's, it's just, it's psychology of it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. when you do this for a living, you uncover little things like that. That's why we went instead of the long reviews and all of the things. And as you go throughout the site, you'll see we've sprinkled in testimonials, very quick and concise in nature to really emphasize that, hey, we are who we say we are. We stand behind it. We've got happy customers. We do all of those things. And one of the, the biggest things that we really found was help going back to the help me choose aspect if you go onto their product pages for like their beard oils and stuff that require a scent for you to choose an option the number one complaint that we saw from people in our polling of the audience was they said they did not know which scent to choose (laughs) even though the scent guide was on the page they weren't seeing it so all we simply did was going back to adding something to remove friction we added smells like (laughs) to the option Uh Simple word, smells like cedar, smells like whatever, into the product selection box. Yep. Tested a bunch of different variations of how we can position that and place that. And that's the winner. That's that's all on the site right now. It's been going strong for a while. Especially like gunslinger, sweet tobacco (laughs) and cedar. It is. And (laughs) it bumped mobile conversions like something like 33 or 35%. I can't remember the exact stats, but it was it was it was up there. Just, but all the information was on the page. They thought they were answering the question, but they weren't answering the question in the way that the audience was responding to the most. So we just took that information and made it easier to digest and they were able to help move them along the journey. So how did you get that specific feedback? I'm interested in that in particular. Exit polling. Yeah, exit polling. Okay. Yeah. A simple thing. I mean, obviously this is, very unique to live bearded, but it's a small thing. And this is the kind of stuff that you'll sort of see, but you use data in order to determine that. I'm a simple person by nature. And sometimes you just got to ask the hard questions like, why didn't you buy from us today? (laughs) (laughs) And, And why didn't you, what questions didn't we answer for you today? And those simple questions will often reveal the simple answers. I'm doing a very in-depth qualitative analysis of a very large company right now, they had just, based on our experimentation, rebranded like completely, we're talking thousands of pages on this website, completely redesigned the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a year long effort, finally launched it. Now we're going back and doing the evaluation again on that journey mm-hmm. of the visitor versus the tactical stuff. They're very good about pushing visitors to buy right now when they're ready, but it's the people that fall off that we're not the best at, but we're getting there. I'm asking a question right now, and it's off the homepage on a poll, like two-part questions. Like, did you find everything you're looking for today? Mm-hmm. What didn't you find? And now a glaring answer. Literally, my UX person just messaged me yesterday afternoon saying they're asking for this specific thing that isn't there. And it's located nowhere. But it's a very big piece that it was just completely overlooked. So we've got three or four different test ideas and experimentation to go into that's going to probably really help solidify a lot of the missing pieces that go into that. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert 
Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Just because we asked. It's interesting. We just did a workshop at Digital Marketer about like not just redesigning your home page, but making sure that your homepage converts. And one thing that we talked about with our customers was that somebody has to be able to tell what you do within seven seconds of looking at your homepage. But not only that, like you have to understand where your where the people like ninety nine percent of the people are in the customer value journey when they come to your homepage. And do you feel like that's like a big issue with your clients in terms of the way the homepages are usually structured is based on essentially how much traffic they're already getting. So for example, on, on live bearded, you said that it needed to be more product centric. So people needed to like physically see the product because that's where they were in the value journey. And they didn't want to be just see pictures of men with beards and putting the product on the page actually helped because people were able to tell probably a lot quicker that, okay, this is what I want. This is the product I want and click through and move through the journey faster. Or like, is that something that you find more difficult as clients? Like, like you said, on the big website that you were looking at, that something specific that people wanted wasn't even on the homepage. Most of the time it comes down to being product centric, I would say. And I would also say that the majority of companies, particularly in e-com, Mm-hmm. underutilize their homepage. Yeah. So they think they need to drive it to a landing page. They need to drive it to a product page or a collections mm-hmm. page versus I'll look at the data and it's almost always number two or number three on the landing page view. And it's almost always number within the top three on the all pages visits. Yep. But yet they're not driving traffic to it. But if you look at it from that scenario, it'll be sometimes 2x the conversion <laughs> rate and usually two to three to four times the engagement. Mm-hmm. And I've had clients take, going back to the traffic side, hmm. they'll just shift their focus and turn some traffic on, particularly where they're at in the funnel, either top, middle, middle or bottom, mm-hmm. and test going to the homepage and they'll take a 2X a ROAS and now have a 4X <laughs> just because they were able to, to send the visitors down a better path. But they think they need to game the system all the time and build these fancy landing pages. But mm-hmm. I, tr- I, le- I treat a, a homepage like, like a landing page, essentially, 
It's like, mm-hmm. here's who we are. Here's what you do. Here's what we do. Here's what we're going to do for you. And here's how to get it, essentially. Yes, it's cool to have some about your story and what you stand for. Mm-hmm. But most people never get that far right. into it. They, You want to... And I use the analogy, e-com is like brick and mortar. Like you go into a super target or Walmart, the ad gets you to the front door. And now you get in the door, which is your homepage. Now you need to figure out where these visitors are going and mm-hmm. get them there as quickly as possible. Do I need to go to home goods? Do I need to go to grocery? Mm-hmm. It's, it's grabbing them and, okay, here's what we have. What can we help you find today? and get them engaged in that shopping experience. And the faster we can get them engaged in that shopping experience, that's when the offers come into play. That's when the the pricing structure and the value prop and all of those things play, but you need to help them find what they're looking for first. And if you have 7,000 products in your store, it's very hard to narrow that product down, but it's, it's much easier when you got one, say like info product and you're just, hey, opt in here, buy this, here's what we got, here's some bonuses, here's the price next. Mm-hmm. But when you have this omni-channel, even though I hate that term, the omni-channel approach where Mm -hmm. you've got people coming in from all different directions, you have to distill that down as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And they could be new visitors. It could be return visitors. But I almost always optimize for new visitors Mm -hmm. because that'll lift up return visitors with it because you've got retargeting and middle and bottom of funnel ads and all of the things that you guys do great. Mm -hmm. That makes our job easier because you're pulling the people and segmenting them on the front end. At mm-hmm. least they better yep. be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> not, I mean, it's there, some people might not be, but <laughs> it's easy. We've got a ton of data. It's easy to segment mm-hmm. people and, and, and break it down and, and push them along that journey. And it makes my job easier. But most sites are 80 to 90% new visitors usually, mm-hmm. but yet the majority of their revenue oftentimes will come on those small little chunk of return visitors. Thanks to retargeting. But we really just try to optimize that. So if we can optimize the new, the mm-hmm. return becomes easier. You had mentioned segmenting in Facebook. Is that something that you look at too when you're analyzing even off, obviously we're we're trying to focus on the conversion after the ad, but does it help ever to look at the audience that came from like a specific ad and then optimize based on like which ads are doing the best and then optimize oh, yeah. from that perspective? Yeah. Yeah, consistency is key. Because I mean, if you're running an ad that says X, Y, and Z, and then they land on the landing page and it's, or the homepage or wherever they're landing yeah. and it has something <laughs> out of left field, that consistency and congruency has to stay. So we work a lot of times with the ad team or whoever's mm-hmm. running that side because we're all going to be smarter if we can, can work together and, and better understand. Because if I do my job right, you do your job right cost per acquisitions down, conversion rates up, engagements up, average order values up, you know, ROAS is where it needs to be. We've seen 20, 30% reduction in cost per acquisition and never even touched the ads just because that experience was more congruent and better. And we were able to quickly evolve and change as things change because you test ads faster than I test on site. Mm -hmm. So if we can keep that ebb and flow happening, then, then things become much easier when we saw it even during COVID, when everything shifted and completely everybody got sideswiped, we were able to lean into it and noticed a huge trend in the clients that were ahead on the game. We could evolve very quickly mm-hmm. and then help them through it. And now they're scaling and growing. It's the companies that weren't prepared that got eaten alive. It's interesting you say focusing on the homepage, because I think a lot of 
people maybe that listen to this show here are focused on landing pages, sales pages, which I get. I mean, if you have an info product, when you're running ads for that specific info product, you're obviously going to sell it and send it to a sales page or a landing page that's related to that product. But like from your perspective, for the Live Bearded example, you made a number of optimizations, simplifying things because men don't read like icons and like incredible social proof, like 24 something thousand testimonials or reviews that are positive, stuff like that. But when we look at some of the larger e-commerce brands that we've grown, we always thought, I think our thought was, well, you're sending traffic to your homepage. That's not really the way to do it. Let's split test, split test, split test on sales pages. When in fact, a customer that was spending about 30K a month and now spending over a million dollars a month the homepage was the page that converted best above all. And they really didn't even do all that much optimization, but it just guided them into the right spot. And that's obviously since then, since they hit that mark, they've now diversified into lots of different products. We have segmented it out, but I think people do forget it's like your homepage first. Like that's where it's the entry point for new customers. Like if I'm a return customer, I'm probably not going to the homepage all that much. I'm probably going to the product page that I bought at before right? Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. And is that typical for a lot of your e-commerce customers as you go homepage first, sales page is second? What's your sense? It really depends on where they're driving traffic currently, because I don't want to come in and completely disrupt things. I want mm-hmm. to optimize what's going. And if I have to steer it a certain direction, I'll, I'll recommend it. But yeah, I mean, the, the homepage is almost always underutilized unless you're using something like advertorials or something like that for the top of funnel situation, then obviously landing pages is is, is something completely different. But I, when I see people, they just want a new landing page constantly and they just want mm-hmm. to create a new product page to look like a landing page, to pack in all of this information. I usually have them just completely strip it down <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to the bare bones basics because we have a lot of tools and resources and and solutions, particularly like in the Shopify world, that just overcomplicates things terribly. Like I just, yeah. I can't stand when I hear the word, we'll just go find an app for that. It's like, no, <laughs> you're not going to add another thing to your website. You don't need it. It's it's basic human psychology at the end of the day, and usually, the simpler the better. And they ask me all the time, "What's the best converting theme?" Because there's a bunch of them out there, and I say marketers ruin everything. Is <laughs> they shout how great their their themes convert and all of those things. I say just use the basic theme that comes with Shopify Basic, and <laughs> we'll optimize it from there. Mm-hmm. Like it's if you start with clean, it becomes easier. But yeah, the homepage. I almost never look at, unless it's specific in nature, I almost never look at anything other than the main five site areas that we look at, the home, the collections, product, cart, and checkout. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we can't even touch the checkout. So we got to do a lot of the heavy lifting going into that situation. So yeah, the homepage is allowing, and I think people are used to that, that that kind of flow. It's like, hey, here's a little bit about our story. Here's some of our collections. Here's our product. Here's some cool images. And one thing to look out for if you're not doing your job right is your bounce rate should be somewhere around 50% on your homepage on any, on a typical e-comp store. Mm-hmm. You should have, if you have products somewhere in the $100 range, $100 AOV, you should have typically close to about two minutes or more 
of on-page engagement. Mm -hmm. Two to three pages, somewhere in there per session. If you don't have that kind of engagement and you're seeing 80% or even 70% plus drop off before they get to a product view, Mm -hmm. then you've got an engagement problem. And you can find out quickly with heat maps whether they're what they're clicking on, where they're bouncing. Quick exit, exit poll will help you understand that. But if I see that, I'll generally look, okay, are they clicking on the about link? Mm-hmm. And if they are, then we know we've got some issues about trust and credibility and they just don't know. Mm-hmm. They're completely confused. So back to the live bearded example, you just sort of looked at it fresh, obviously, realized what the issue was. And then at each stage, like, what do I actually order? And then once I order, like, which scent do I get? Like really basic, but smart things, which are simple, not simplistic, but simple. But you also put in understanding the the demographic, more images, icons at the top, free shipping made in the USA, lifetime value, 365 day returns, like right there, front and center, above the fold, even on mobile or just about. Mm-hmm. And then like, but what else, what else happens? Like, what else did you do specifically or, or tactically? There's not a lot, a lot of clutter on this site either because <laughs> you see some that's like, it has like spin the wheel and then it has, mm-hmm. hey, here's our customer service person. Let's chat. And then there's an exit and tent pop and then another yeah. one. And so like, oh my God, I, I'm so glad that wheel thing isn't a thing as much anymore. Oh, Apparently it worked, it. but it, it always bugged me. <laughs> it did for a while. Because marketers do ruin everything, of mm-hmm. course. I hate movement of any kind on a website unless it's click intended. Or yeah. swipe intended. Because the eye um, goes there. Yeah, and that's not your intent is to no. like, but you know, you talked about social proof as being a big part of, of increasing conversions on this site. Like what, what happens sort of next? So if you look at the product page, there's testimonial right at the top. Mm-hmm. That's one of the common things that we'll test. It's almost one of our go-tos. If any time, even if it's a female driven market, we'll hit that front and center. That makes sense. I love reading a good review. <laughs> it is. And we, it's just simple. We're running one right now, actually, in the supplement market. It's a mixed audience. But I think I looked at the test. It started yesterday, so it's still early on the data, but it was showing like almost 90% improvement on mobile. Um, <laughs> really? Something just stupid. <laughs> it won't stick. It won't stay at that once I get a few hundred conversions on it, but it might settle in at 20. I like beginner's luck, though. Yeah. Sometimes I get lucky. The one other big thing I have to point out with the bearded is they didn't always have a shipping threshold. Aha, uh-huh. I see that very prominently, right? Forever, it was free shipping. And they were very reluctant. I don't know if I'm going to reveal too much here, but they were very reluctant Uh-oh. to get away from free These guys shipping. are pretty big and scary looking, so we they are careful. <laughs> Spencer's huge. I know, he's, a nor- um, he's an enormous man. But they didn't charge, they used to charge free shipping. Constantly. That was part of their MO. That was since the beginning, we're just going to charge free shipping. But in e-com, margins can be tight. It doesn't matter what you're selling. So you have to keep up wherever you can. So paying for shipping, we found out the majority, a lot of orders were coming in at under $40, tested a bunch of different thresholds. Now they charge for shipping at $35. And we've tested that five or six different times. And almost every time, I think, five out of the last six have been, now they charge shipping. So it's it's not as big of a factor as you think it is. 
in today's day and age, depending on the product, obviously. But we've even had products where they were charging $3.95 shipping. Now they're charging eight mm-hmm. because we were able to just test up to set. But that two or three bucks in e-com is pure bottom line profit. Absolutely. I mean, it's not, that doesn't change anything. We've moved shipping thresholds on large volume stores from 100 to 150 and saved them 200 grand a year because they were able to do huge volumes. But that little bit adds up when you're, when you're pushing volume. So I, I think that's one of the bigger things that we did aside from kind of the scent and the review aspect to push the visitors where they wanted to go. And then it's, it's using the, all of the same things. It's the icons, it's those, and it's testing the, the look and feel and, and placement and function and flow of the website as they, they get through that journey. One thing we're testing a lot of right now is top collections, like bubbles, essentially, mm-hmm. across the top of a homepage or top of across the collections pages to help them visually p- par it down. And it's working extremely well. We just did it on a very large store basically got rid of the navigation and just made it imagery. Like just that's on the page constantly. Cleaning up the cart, security elements is one thing that we test a lot. Usually removing secondary payment options because <laughs> everybody has the Apple Pay, the PayPal, and all of, they're hitting everybody with yeah. everything right away. And that usually adds a huge friction point to that. And I just take a page out of Marketing 101. A lot of people drop the ball. They think they have them when they're in the cart or they have them when they're at the checkout. Mm. And right. it's continuing that buying journey and re-emphasizing the benefits and re-emphasizing the savings if it's applicable. Emphasize that free shipping if they reach that threshold. Emphasizing your money back guarantee and the warranty and all of the things that give them the warm and fuzzies and not just expecting them that they're gonna get there. We add a lot of FAQs in mm. different placements mm. throughout the site, the cart, the checkout, just to help answer those questions like what is the warranty do you have one how do i return this if this product sucks do you stand behind it where do you ship it from all of the little things how soon do i expect that's one thing that we're doing a lot of right now too is just when can i expect to get it and we found that it doesn't matter what we tell them (laughs) as long as we just tell (laughs) as long as they know if it's 20 days it's 20 days and shipping delays and all of the things if we give them even a range it's like you'll have it between this date and this date or it ships within 24 hours, but we can't guarantee that it's going to get there in the next five days. But we'll know that it's it's leaving our warehouse in, in 24 hours. So just setting that expectation and pushing them through to that and just carrying them again, lead them down the path of least resistance and just hold them by the hand and walk them through that journey. And the more you can do that, the better off it's going to be. And then you can get into all the fun tactical things like incentivizing email capture and SMS captures. But yeah, usually it just comes down to that the main elements that we really look for are the social proof, the trust and credibility on the other side. How can we position the unique selling propositions and the value props that they have? And then we can get all the way down into price testing and do we actually need to showcase that it's a fake retail value Mm -hmm. uh, versus the actual price? We get that a lot with a lot of these guys that stumble, which we don't work with many of them. I don't think we work with any of them anymore, but it's the guys that find one product that's in a cool offer and then just blow it out mm-hmm. and think they use as much, put as much juice behind it as they can and make their money. And 
then they burn out the audience and they're done. Like we're doing that for a very large brand right now in the health space. They do equipment like wearables and stuff. And we're testing hiding all of that retail stuff and the discount value and all of the things that are driven and they're very influencer driven. So mm. it's it's the coupon code, it's the savings, but we're hiding that on some of their things. And the early results look promising. And that's where you get to a point when you're up-leveling the brand. It's not a perpetual sale. It's not everything must go all the time. It's, hey, we've got a brand, we've got some great products, here's the price. It's, it's fair for what you're getting versus trying to game the system. It's amazing, the testimonial part to it. I mean, I think that there's one big thing from this specific study here on this website that people can walk away with and say, I need more of that because you guys do so much of it is, and you have to have a good product. I mean, obviously, Livebeard is a great product. So that's the first thing you need. You need a good product, not just a piece of crap. So what you say you're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff that mom and dad taught you way back when. But it's like five stars. It's social proof. Mm -hmm. Like on every page all the way through, even on your collections page, you still have reviews on even the collection image, just below the collection images. Like it's, it's there. And then it's again, when I actually do select the true beardsman beard kit, Spence and Mink. Why did I know that was coming? You know, <laughs> I can send you my physical address. I think he likes Gunslinger too. We'll just yeah, I got Gunslinger. <laughs> yeah, wait until I tell the wife. But no, on three separate spots, it's reviews, it's it's five stars, which obviously it's real because it's like this is a <laughs> this is a real deal. It it like that unto itself is such an important point. It's like people are skeptical <laughs> up until even when they add to cart and we can talk about like how cart abandons and what like a normal oh, rate yeah. is, but like people are skeptical. We don't, we don't have enough up. time on the podcast to talk about that. <laughs> I was going to dive in and I was like, oh man, we're running short on time already. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know there's a lot of things. We, we'll, we'll have to have you back. But the point mm -hmm. is like that unto itself, like convincing people that other people like yeah. this and it will eliminate or at least lessen the likelihood that they'll bail out at some point in time. I mean, it's just a common theme throughout this whole thing. And the other aspect of that is if you see five stars constantly too, and there's no like negative with it, mm. the BS meter goes up too. Yep. It's true. They're not like, they're full five stars. They're not yeah, like- I never want to see the full five stars. Then no, I think 4. they're fake. Yeah, yeah 4. it's, 8. Like, it's <laughs> like a half a, three quarters yeah. of a star kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Give me that like 4.7, 4. That's what I want. Because <laughs> yeah, no company is perfect. Right. Myself exactly. included. I've got, I on my review sites, there's a couple two-star reviews, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, you you have your bad times sure. when you do something wrong. What? Yeah, and we're, we're human. It's- it's not the end of the world and people are going to complain. It's just, uh, you're not, you can't be perfect all the time. So having that realism and that, mm -hmm. and we live in the social world, so there's nothing to hide. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you can't really hide. So you have to be as transparent as possible. And if you come across as real, you're using that social proof to your best interest and you figure out what that audience actually responds to the most in frequency of that. Mm -hmm. then you're going to, that's when you can really win. And then you can even leverage it on ads and you can leverage it. I know we're have ads running right now for a couple clients and you know, it's just a testimonial video. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially it's what it is with us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a typical bottom up funnel. Okay. You've seen all this stuff. These guys are telling you straight out what it, what it's all about. We don't suck. There you go. We're actually good. And we do what we say. Yeah. It's just, 
like people thinking of that, like you have to get it first off. You have to have the good product, but like it's such an important part. Like, yeah, you make, you highlight it tremendously on the site here, but also in the ads everywhere you can, social proof all the way. One other aspect of that too is a warranty element is do you stand behind your product? I know we've done a lot of work in like canvas art and fine art. And one thing we did was, and we're, we're continuing to do for a couple of different brands is just upselling them a, a lifetime warranty. So it seems very trivial. It's like, oh, great. And we'll, we're going to increase our average order value. The opposite is actually true. Nobody takes it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it adds that level of credibility to like, oh, these guys are willing, willing to, mm-hmm. to stand behind their product this much. It's like, if it ever cracks, chips, bends hell if it falls off the wall and starts on fire we'll replace it and we stand behind our product that much that hey it's just you're spending 150 bucks with us for 10 bucks more we'll guarantee it it'll never Mm -hmm. nothing will ever happen to this nobody takes it but you'll obviously you'll almost always see at least a 20 percent bump because it's just that level that next level and Mm -hmm. we've got clients that are in the cell phone accessory space that are very luxury ish in that market Mm-hmm. So top of the market in terms of price, but it's the thing is, is like, is this junk? And it's like, well, we, we stand behind it. Here's our warranty. We, if it ha- anything ever happens to it, if it fades, if it cracks, if it does anything, we'll replace it for you. It's like, no questions asked. And they absolutely eat that up. I mean, it's just anywhere we can possibly put that. They love it. it it's so funny that you said just offering it, but nobody takes it. I went out to buy a, a brand new like wireless mouse yesterday at my local computer store and they offered me that would you like the lifetime protection plan for six dollars i think the mouse was ten dollars <laughs> and i'm like yeah i'm like no but the guy next to me asked the same question it wasn't buying a mouse i forget what he was buying and he said yes <laughs> i'm like there's the one guy in the world that actually buys that damn thing i was so surprised but like the fact that they're a, a very different sort of scenario but mm-hmm. it's like offer it knowing that they're not going to say yes but it's another ding little proof element that we're willing to stand behind what we're selling you and it's a, it's a subconscious proof element it's sure. not even mm-hmm. like it's not hey look at look at our five-star ratings it's like these products are good we're willing right. to stand behind them and that level too. I mean, we've we've tested money back guarantee timeframes and and all of the things that you know. One recently, we just tested an annual, like a, mm-hmm. a twelve month money back guarantee versus 30, 60, 90. 90 ended up winning, hmm. but it was like it's just weird how those timeframes change. And mm-hmm. every time I mention that kind of test to a client, they're like, "Well, I don't know if I can offer a one year guarantee." I'm like, the majority of people are going to refund in the thirty days anyway, so. Why not just give it a shot? I've doubled my conversion rate in cases of using that. You just never know. And I'm proven wrong all the time. So I just keep testing. I feel like it is so much about the value and then also perceived value and then the psychology behind it all. I was having a conversation yesterday with our one of our product managers about why we still offer the monthly payment when we could just go straight to annual and we had actually tested it and it had been like people like knowing that they can refund at any month when they do a monthly payment plan, even though that we always have them for more than a year. And they're saying like, Wait, why can't we collect the money up front? But it's like a psychology aspect of like, I still know that I can get my money back. It's like the monthly. Comfort. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
And that's the point is get them to feel comfortable. And I know we were talking pre-show too, as it comes down to that perceived value and the, the value prop and the offer is you, you can't, you can have the best traffic in the world. And if you don't have that other side figured out and you can get that visitor through that hurdle, then, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have to throw at it and how much, you know, how awesome your ads are. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's just building that comfort level enough. And I use it. I've said it a few times on here. It's just lead them down the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And the more you can help them feel warm and good about that decision, the better off it's going to be. And then obviously you got to fulfill on the back end and have great products and do what you say you're going to do and <laughs> and help them use the product. But it's, it's just keeping them from buyer's remorse and wanting that refund, even though you have it there. The, the one last thing I would like to, you had mentioned this, and I think a lot of people for either forget about it. And I've seen conversion companies do this sort of in the reverse too, where they start with the initiate checkout or add to cart and work forward as well. You start sort of like where the traffic is coming and then optimize all the way down. What's fascinating on the live, live bearded site is that you said you simplified the payment process and was with shop pay, Google pay and PayPal, or maybe Apple pay is being tested there as well, but it's three choices but I think, I mean, being a consumer of e-commerce products and knowing how awesome Shopify is, like that shop pay button is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just talk a little bit about cart abandonment and like how you engineer that or reverse engineer that process? So it goes back to friction. If, you're, if you look at a typical shopping cart scenario and Shopify, luckily, I'm looking at the checkout page right now. It's got shop pay, GPay, and PayPal. Mm -hmm. On that page, comes standard in the functions of Shopify. But on the cart, you have, very, you have a lot of real estate. It's real estate you can use for cool things like social proof, like gift with purchase, like all of these things that you can, can help manipulate average order values and do you know, different elements. When you have that right there, we found that the majority of the people don't actually leverage it at that spot. And it's just adding a whole bunch of nonsense. And a lot of times you can't control the size of those buttons and they're mm -hmm. so huge. So it takes away from the actual natural order flow of things when they're all of a sudden they're off on PayPal. When you have an, mm -hmm. then you have an opportunity too to upsell them pre-checkout. We do a lot of pre-checkout upsell scenarios. Like you click the continue to checkout button. It's like, hey, you want to add your lifetime warranty type scenario. So that then takes a natural order from to A to A to B. But also the abandoned cart conversation, which we could literally have an entire conversation on, is everything leading up to it. Everybody just thinks, well, I just need to add social proof or I need to fix. I need to redesign. I need a one page checkout. I need all of these things is going to fix my abandoned checkout issues or I'm going to have a bit exit pop ups. And sometimes you get the email that it's, hey, you get 15 percent off before I'm even off the site. I mean, it's it's that silly. So I say if you do your job on your experience up until the checkout, that fixes your abandoned checkout or your abandoned car. Interesting, yeah. Because you give them everything they need to make that buying decision. Be absolutely sure. <laughs> all of that stuff becomes irrelevant. The shipping cost, the all of those things, that's what drives me nuts is when people say, well, I just, free shipping is, is what we do. And we've already touched on a few of those earlier, but they say, well, they're abandoned because they're charging too much on shipping. And it's like, I've proven that's not the case. It's if, if you can get them there make them feel all warm and fuzzy 
yes, there's things you can do to optimize it. But then also on the flip side of it is I don't ever race to discount. And I tell every single one of my clients because it's the ongoing joke. Just go to the checkout, wait 10 minutes and you get 10% off. (laughs) It's what happens. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you get the brand equity into play, then it becomes the lifetime value and the, the engagement and all of those things that come with it. What if your visitors just had a question about the product? They didn't care about a discount. Price is almost never the object. It's never the objective or the, the objection to it is never the price. So, or very rarely. I mean, yeah, you can get down that rabbit hole too, but. We won't go there. <laughs> yeah, but if you're immediately racing to the discount, I personally feel like you're devaluing the brand. So what if instead of hitting them with that 10% off email or pop-up, it's like, hey, how about we supersize that for you today? Or we add something to the product? Or it's like, how about a deluxe sample size of X, Y, and Z, our best-selling product? And we'll give that to you for free if you order today. Or in the email follow-up now, it's, oh, hey, here's three stories about customers that used our product, or here's our buyer's guide, and here's our user manual. Here's all of these things to help them because they probably have an objection and you don't know what that objection is. They just need to know more about you and trust you and know that you're not some scam. It's like, hey, here we manufacture our product with all of these things and it ships from our warehouse. Here's a cool image of Sally that's fulfilling the order or a message from the CEO, a video saying, hey, it's, it's awesome. Just giving them that extra level. Now they're a buyer for life instead of, hey, they got 10% and we've got a fantastic new customer. Now we can email the crap out of and, and hope they buy our next sale that comes up on Valentine's Day. It, it's a fine line. And I think if you create a better experience and you help those visitors find what they're looking for, get them through that process and build the value throughout that, abandoned checkout becomes a thing of the past. Right. And if you do all that right, like let's say you're doing the site, obviously, and this is like I'm future pacing perpetual traffic listeners to be conversion fanatics customers. <laughs> but let's say if you're doing like what's an acceptable abandoned cart percentage in your opinion? Don't say zero. <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> Depends on the size of the business and the AOV. Okay. So if you've got an AOV of say 150 plus and you're at scale, I would be okay with 60-70%. Typical smaller store say and do 150 to 300 grand a month, sub 150, you need that in the 50% range. That's abandoned checkout. Shopify, it is what it is. You don't have much room on the actual checkout. I mean, I've seen it as low as 15, but average I would say is somewhere in the 30 to 50% range in that sub 50 or sub 150 kind of AOV percentage. It's pretty, it's still pretty high. It's like, it's just, it's the nature of the beast, but Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. It's not necessarily a abandoned cart issue. It's a, all the things that you do up to the cart. It's, it's a journey. It's an experience. And mm-hmm. the more you can make it. And I used to be, I mean, I'm a direct response guy. So it's go, 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 sell, sell, sell. And whatever we can do to get that customer, we're good. 
And I changed my tune about that working with some of the brands that we do because we can't do that with like a company like Burt's Bees, for mm. example. They're just not, they've got a hell of a lot of brand equity. So yeah. you can't go and and be all direct response, sale, 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 90% off today only type scenarios. You've got to build that journey and that experience and let the products and the story and everything stand. And if you haven't heard the exact, the full Burt's story, I highly recommend you research that. It's absolutely yeah. fascinating. We will leave links in the show notes for sure. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. I've been to their offices and it's seeing the shack he used to live in. They had it moved in from Maine. It's it's absolutely crazy. What? That's awesome. Yeah, it's like literally on the campus, the Lucky Strike cigarette campus, which is really, really odd. But in Durham, North Carolina. But yeah, like the hair, the dog hair is still on the vest he wore and like it's, oh my it's creepy, but really fascinating at the same time. That's great. Picked up a hitchhiker. Yeah, it's how they started the company. <laughs> First employee was a hitchhiker. <laughs> yeah, literally. And it ended up being his girlfriend. She took it over. She was the one who sold it to Clorox. Holy cow. So, yeah, oh, my it's God. Like some just crazy. Like he didn't, he hated people, just liked his dogs. They started out selling candles. Somebody from New York came in and wanted to put it in their something. Yeah, it's, it's just a cr- crazy story on how they blew up to be what they are I mean, and how they came up with the name Burt's Bees, too. It's, it's, it's a nice open loop for our resources page for this yeah, episode. Yeah, there you go. Check out the resources notes yeah. for a story that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It does. It's yeah. a great branding story and how they mm-hmm. became to, to be what they are and, and what they stood for and the journey behind it and how crazy that guy actually was. But And they probably have a very low card abandon percentage as a result. <laughs> One cool trick from them if you really want to utilize free shipping is you can incentivize SMS capture or email capture by offering free shipping. That's worked on me a few times. I'm not going to lie. Where I'm on the cart and then I get a text message where it's like, want free shipping? And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I go back to my computer. (laughs) So effective. It's really effective. And it's that whole 97% open rate thing. (laughs) But no, I mean, it's really, it's more. And what I really want people probably to get out of our whole entire conversation is it's more than just running a split test and mm-hmm. hoping you're going to improve your conversion rate. It's understanding those visitors behavior. Cause yes, I'm a conversion rate guy, but as you guys know, your conversion rate doesn't infinitely go up. Mm-hmm. You hit, you hit a ceiling and it's never going to go past that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good your product is, how good your offer is. But if you don't have those pieces, you cannot scale and grow it. And if you're not optimizing and you try to scale, you're not going to be able to scale. And it just makes everything so much easier when you can evolve very quickly and adapt and understand those visitor behavior. And it's not just that it's the little things that make the big difference. And it's not big doors swing on small hinges is the famous quote. And that's the thing that I want people to understand the most is it's those incremental understandings and asking the question why, then you understand what those visitors really care about. And then everything becomes more effective. Then when, you know, we get hit with things like iOS 14 updates Mm -hmm. and craziness like that, that it doesn't matter as much because I'm not seeing a lot of that with a lot of my clients. We're seeing some fluctuations, but I'm not running the ads either. But I'm not hearing the the horror stories from a lot of them either because we just know the metrics. We just, Mm -hmm. we just know what it's supposed to look like. We have those ad sets running. We have the inputs and outputs, and we just know that we're going to see a natural fluctuation throughout the week, and it, it's going to happen. It's a lot easier and a lot, cal- <laughs> lot more calming when you are on top of it from 
that constant evolution game where you're constantly trying to beat your high score and whatever that high score is doesn't have to be just conversion rate. It has to be add to cart rate, abandon checkout rate, engagement, time on site, cost per acquisitions and RPVs and all of the acronyms that come with it. But yeah, it's a, it's a long game for exponential growth. And when you get to that true branding stage, that's when it really gets fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been uh, tremendous. We've gone we've talked a lot here this is there's a lot i think for our listeners to to unbox here and and certainly we'll leave a lot of links in the show notes to helpful things that we've discussed most importantly where can people get in touch with you and conversion fanatics yeah so uh conversionfanatics.com is the best way to go probably for that I'd like to say we keep up on our blog with all the latest case studies, but I'd be lying if I did because I'm just a marketer too busy not doing it his own marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> I, I simply just, I'm too busy taking care of clients that worrying about actually delivering what we say we can do and uh, then to worry about posting the next blog article. And I think I actually wrote a blog article that said the same thing. <laughs> just saying, sorry, we didn't update it because sorry, I'm not writing any that. blog posts, but I'm helping you make more money out there. <laughs> That's it. So I'd just sign up. Seems Practice like a good what deal. I Seems like right. a pretty good deal. <laughs> it's a good trade off. Um, and then you can go to, if you want to find me on social, uh, one spot, social.com slash Justin Christians and all one word. And that has links to YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn that I never check. And <laughs> All of the things you can get a hold of me. I'm I'm available. So if anybody has questions, just reach out. I'm happy to help. Take a look at stuff. I I'm gonna hop off here and go review a website. Perfect. After I catch up on the 900 Slack messages that I have. That's right. <laughs> in the hour and a half we've been talking here. Well, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, all the show notes will be over at uh, digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 292. Make sure you check out the resources section underneath the show notes. And Justin Christensen, thank you so much for coming on Perpetual Traffic. You dropped many a knowledge bomb here, which we so appreciate. Ah, uh, man, I appreciate it. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. You bet. So until next week, everybody, check out those show notes over at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 292. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Amanda, we will see you next week. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.